The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We are glad to have you for another exciting week of Exploring the Word. Why would I say exciting? Listen, anytime you dig into the Word of God, you'll find treasures that you've never seen before. God reveals them again and again and again. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be the host of this program where we do dig into the Word of God. And we've been going through a series a little different than we usually do. We usually go by book, but Alex and I decided we was going to take the topic because it was sort of uh, hard to go over first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, and first and second Chronicles in, in a way in which it would uh, just be a long time. So we're doing the 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 theme: prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And Alex, uh, I, I'm enjoying this study because we've we've looked at the United Kingdom. Uh, we've looked at how the divided kingdom was in, enforced, but today we're going to introduce some prophets that were very, very important during the period of the divided kingdom. And one of those yes. names is the prophet Elijah. What a what a prophet! Matter of fact, we find him in the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration, don't we? Oh, well, we really do, and it's good to be with you, Bird. Have another week of Exploring the Word, and we're going to look at the prophet Elijah, and a lot of the information comes from, you know, First Kings, but you're right, he is mentioned in the New Testament there in Matthew 17. But um, before we get into the uh, study of Elijah, hey, I want to give a big welcome. I'm coming to you not from my home state of North Carolina, and I travel quite a bit, but I'm coming to you from the great state of Mississippi, Bert. But I'm not in Tupelo. Uh, I heard you were down the road from Tupelo, not uh, about 70 miles, I would guess. Yeah, uh, let me say, I'm in Macon, Mississippi. This is my third trip. Well, no, my fourth. I forgot. This is my fourth trip over the last decade, my fourth trip to Macon, Mississippi, just greatest people in the world. Tonight, 6.30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm at Calvary Baptist Church, Pastor Bill Ross, great people. Listen, we had a great night last night. The music is amazing. I'm going to be speaking then we do a lunchtime Bible study session, 12 to 1, and again, I'll be there, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. We had a good group today, but if you're in the area of Macon, Mississippi, the church is on Dent Street, D-E-N-T, super, super easy to find right here in Macon, Calvary Baptist Church, and um, I'm staying at a wonderful place. There's, there's a great restaurant here. There's a place, Trail Boss Trailers, and they have a restaurant, but they've got a bunkhouse, and it's Bert, it's like cowboy stuff well, on the on the wall among all these like pictures of the rifleman and John Wayne and uh, you just couldn't believe it. But Miss Kitty from Gunsmoke, uh, there's some memorabilia from Gunsmoke here. But I'm having a great time, and of course, the best thing of all, the Lord is moving in the lives of people here in Macon, Mississippi. Well, I just got to ask, are you wearing your cowboy boots there? Since You, you know it. I you, knew it, man. I said, that's great. Well, Alex, we're praying that <laughs> things go well in Macon, a great, great place here in Mississippi. Yes. And Phenomenal it is, people. you know what's fun? You being back on the road. Uh, 2020 <laughs> was so 
Listen, uh, the biggest question you always have on Exploring the Word, where is Alex coming from today? And uh, we didn't have to ask that too much in 2020, but now in 2021, we're getting back to it. And so we're so excited, and we pray that things will go well there at Calvary Baptist Church and that God would just use you in a significant way. Amen. Well, I will tell you this, though. In 2020, while it is true, I did not travel and speak during all those COVID years in two and a half weeks, you're going to learn what Bert and I did with the year 2020. Uh, we wrote a book, and I'll tell you more about that later. Yeah, and matter of fact, Sherathon is coming up, and uh, you're going to hear a good bit about that book during Sherathon. So we are excited about that and praise the Lord for it. But we want to jump into the prophet Elijah, and we're introduced to him first. If you can take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, you're going to get an introduction. And he comes on the scene with, I'm talking about every fiber of being. And I just want to read this one verse in chapter 17, verse 1. And it introduces us to, to Elijah. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. Now let's make sure you know Ahab. Ahab is the king of the northern kingdom. Matter of fact, it would be said that Ahab was the worst king up until that point. And, uh, I mean, he was evil. His wife was evil. And so he said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel is before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, Alex... Mm. What a proclamation of judgment and warning. And that is Elijah coming on the scene. We had not even heard from him until then. This is the first time we find this prophet. We don't know if he comes out of the dark, never had said anything before, and God put it on his heart, or if he'd been building up but had not getting any notoriety. But at this point in time, he burst on the scene, doesn't he? Well, he really does. And let me say, he is a powerful man of God, a powerful prophet. Uh, you know, in fact, one of the most famous scenes of his life, indeed, Bert, it's maybe one of the most famous scenes of the whole Bible, uh, or certainly the Old Testament, is going to be with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. We'll get there, but um, Elijah, from the very first time we see him, is a, a, a prophet, proclaimer of God's Word in great power. And said to Ahab, there will not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't really Elijah's word. It was God's word. But he proclaimed God's word. And uh, isn't that what preachers need to do now? And, uh, you know, last week there was some controversy in the news. I won't rehash that about, um, you know, being... uh, woke and getting canceled and things like that. And I had a a gentleman come up to me in Nashville last week, and he said, I miss the days when preachers didn't have to be polite. Now, I I know what he meant. Um, Don't you think, Bert, that a lot of times ministers nowadays, I mean, they feel like they've got to like walk on eggshells because, I mean, if you say one wrong word, your whole career, uh, faithful years of service can go down the drain. But, I mean, if you look at people like Paul, Elijah, even certainly the Lord Jesus Christ, who proclaimed God's truth, here's what it is, repent, believe, or be judged, uh, I think uh, the prophetic voice of the church needs to be recovered, and we get a little more direct with the 
the warnings of God about the destructions of sin. Amen. We do not need to let the cancel culture cancel the prophet of God. I said this in many times. The pastor is serving two roles. Yes, he is the priest. Yes, he's the man that pleads for his people and earnestly cares for them and uh, makes petition to them. And I believe that. That's so important. But he's also the prophet. He is to get into the Word of God and bring God's Word to the people. If it's encouragement or correction, it still needs to be proclaimed. And we're living in that cancel culture. So if we proclaim what God says from the book of Romans, from the book of 1 Corinthians, if we go into Leviticus and talk about what God said, if we go to Proverbs and talks about these things, God hates, yes, seven are abomination to him, and we start listing those, uh, we can expect the cancel culture, if not from the media, uh, even from those on the inside the, the church, if we're not careful, we'll let fear. Elijah, now listen, we're going to find him being fearful at one time, but God took care of him. But here, after he announces this drought, notice what God tells him to do. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. God says, I got something more for you to do. Uh, you're going to have to be at a different place than this one during this period of drought, but I'm going to take care of you. Notice the last two words, uh, three words, feed you there. God gave specific place for Elijah to go, Alex. If he just said, I want to go somewhere else, the food wouldn't have been there. You know, when people try you, well, to get to true. God some other way besides Jesus Christ, they will not make it. It is only through God's specific direction that we find God's provision. Amen. Amen. Well, you're right. Very specific directives, very specific uh, means were undertaken to, uh, you know, protect Elijah. So he preached hard, but he had to go and hide. And, you know, have you studied up on that name, Cherith um, uh, or, or Cherith? So this uh, it's near the Jordan, east of the Jordan, and it's at this border that was given to the land of Israel. And it was a place very far away from King Ahab, who uh, was seeking Elijah's life because of the drought, wasn't he? And it means, the word, as I studied, it means cutting or separation and he was he was separated off from the dangers from the people but he was separated to god wasn't he he was but it was going to dry up because of a brook being flown and he has somewhere else to go and he arrives he told him to go to zarephath which belongs mm -hmm. to zidon another location pretty good distance dwell there and I, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. I couldn't help but look at the repeated word there, Alex. You know, I'm looking for them. There, yeah. it, God had a place for him to be. I really believe God's prophet, God's man, God's man has places to be. With all my heart, I know you're doing what God has called you to do as an evangelist and an apologist traveling around. With all my heart, I feel like I'm doing exactly what God is having me to do, to do these interim pastorates where I, I go and maybe I'm there three months or sometimes a year 
preaching while the next pastor, senior pastor is waiting. So you want to be where God has for you to be. And here the provision was made. And guess what? Not only is a blessing waiting on Elijah, but a blessing is also waiting on this widow. She doesn't know it yet, but the meal doesn't run out. The food doesn't run out. And when her son gets ill, guess what? And even dies. Elijah, yeah, he is, raises him from the dead. Exactly. What a blessing Amen. to be where God wants you to be. He not only provides for you, but he makes you a blessing by being there. Well, and let me say this before, you know, we're going to get to First uh, Kings uh, 17, uh, 9 through 21, uh, about going to the widow's house in Sidon. But it's, it's very interesting. And let me say, uh, the, the wisest thing you can do is to follow the Lord. The, the best favor you'll ever do yourself is to obey the Lord. I was reading about how he was fed by the ravens, you know, there as he went off to hide at Cherith. And say that ravens very often don't feed their own young and that um, ravens were considered unclean. And sometimes ravens, because they look out, they look out for number one, they, they wouldn't even feed their own young. And to say... You're going to be fed by the ravens. That was really trusting God. Very counterintuitive. The other thing is, though, Baal, and you remember um, Elijah will contend with the prophets of Baal, and First Kings 18, the prophets of Baal will, will die. But Baal, this false god, was said to control the weather. And in the drought, uh, we were seeing that the God of Israel Yahweh controls the weather, not a false god named Baal. Makes you think of all the plagues in Egypt where all their gods they trusted, God overrode every one of them. God does it again. And we'll be back with more right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ethan Handelman, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Multifamily at the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development. His office is responsible for the overall management, development, direction, and administration of HUD's multifamily housing programs. Luke 10.5 reminds us of the blessings of home. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask you to guide Ethan Handelman in his role at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says sin doesn't just detach us from God, it attaches us in ways we don't ever want to be attached. He'll explain with the help of this example as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you have trash staying up in your house for an extended period of time, you have ipso facto invited roaches and ants into your premises. You don't have to give a formal written invitation. If the trash lingers, they will assume they've been invited to a party because ants and roaches gravitate to trash. Demons gravitate to sin. So when they see sin proliferating, they assume they've been invited to that party. 
So when sin becomes dominant in my life or your life or our lives, the demons say, hey, they've invited us over there into that environment. So they go where the garbage is, and that's why sins then wind up becoming addictions. The reason why it's so hard for addicted people to get over the sin is they not only have to try to deal with the sin, but the demonic amplification of the sin because the demons have gone into a garbage environment and made themselves at home there. That's why it is an addiction because it has been demonically infiltrated. When people try to deal with the sin without dealing with the demons, they wind up right back at it because the spiritual was unaddressed in whatever the addiction happened to express itself to be. That's why the world calls it addiction, the Bible calls it a spiritual stronghold. For a look at how the power of faith can move the mountains in your life, check with us for details on Dr. Evans' series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit and He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection and He's coming back. He's coming back again. First Kings chapter 17, verse 16. 1 Kings 17, 16, the barrel of meal did not run out, neither did the, the vessel of oil, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Hi, Alex McFarland here, along with Bert Harper. You're listening to Exploring the Word, and we are looking at the exciting, exciting life of Elijah the prophet. Stay with us, and uh, in a minute or two, you can join in, and we're going to take calls. The number, toll-free nationwide, if you want to call in with a Bible question, is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Elijah served uh, Judah under several kings, Asa, Jehoshaphat, and Jehoram. And th there's just so much in the life of Elijah uh, Bert, I want to pull out a verse here. Okay, he's with the, this widow, and he says, please, you know, make me a cake. And they did eat for many days. The flour and the oil just did not run out. But um, if you've, Bert, you've probably got 1 Kings 17 open, and look at verse 18, would you? Verse 18, so she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Isn't that something? There was a fear of God. Now, Elijah is serving the Lord, and do you know what? All of God's prophets really are prophets of life, not death. Now, repentance and fleeing away from sin, that's the pathway to life. But isn't this something that there, when a man of God was in the midst, there was conviction, wasn't there? There was, and, and it was from it, God's power which was protecting, 
was protecting Elijah, but also providing for this widow of Zarephath, you know? While yes. God was protecting one, he was he was providing for the other. And but this fear was upon her <clears throat> because this was the man of God. And uh so Alex, uh she had that, but she was gonna see something that her whole life in her perspective would be completely turned around. Yeah. Well, and you know, the the son uh got sick. And it says in verse 17, there was no breath left in him. He died. The widow's son died. Now, she's wondering, well, is it my sin that he died for? Is And, you know, the thing is, um, to call my sin to remembrance, I don't know what her unconfessed sin was. But let me say this, at the very least, and, you know, we could take a rabbit trail and chase this, but I don't think we will in the interest of time. People misunderstand how salvation works and how sin works. Um, the son didn't fall ill and die because of the woman's sin. And the church or the preacher, or in this case, the prophet, takes no delight in proclaiming the evil and the seriousness of sin because we're all saved sinners if you're a believer. But in fact, not only was Elijah not there to kill the son, Elijah was there to raise the son from the dead. You know, we're going to see the ministry of life. And so um, I guess my heart just goes out uh, in verse 18 there, because like so many people today, Bert, she didn't understand the mercy of God. And she didn't understand, at least at that moment, she didn't understand all of the grace that's wrapped up in salvation. That is so true. But she had already seen God's provision by remembering what it said, that the meal did not run dry, the oil did not run dry. Yes. And, and so, Alex, the Lord had already demonstrated his power to her, and I believe she believed it. But yet this tragedy comes along with her son growing ill and dying, and she again turns, what have I done? Oh, God, what, well, what are you doing? Those are questions we ask, and I think they are, they're legitimate because we want to know. But the man of God was there not only to bring life but to bring understanding. I, I really believe that Amen. when he leaves, this woman has a greater understanding of God and his power and who he is. I pray that in our lives, like you at Macon at Calvary Baptist Church, after you have come and you have shared, especially on the noonday services, about how this is working in our society today and uh, the woke society is trying to cancel out and how having a a biblical worldview we can stand, you know, they'll they'll have greater understanding of who God is and love him more. This woman Amen. responded that way, but it's amazing what Elijah did. And it's it's I'll just read it, verse twenty one. And Elijah stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the mm. Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah <laughs> said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. You see that Amen. greater understanding? Amen. 
Exactly. And you, you know what? Um, I'm going to tell you, I see faith because earlier in the chapter, she said, look, there's just enough meal. Uh, I'm going to make two little cakes. My son and I are going to eat and then we'll die. Elijah says, don't be afraid. Please make me uh, go bake a cake for me first. And she did. Now, believe it or not, it, I, that might sound insignificant. I don't think it's insignificant at all. She exercised faith and the the cruise of oil and the the thing of meal and flour didn't run out. But now she's got big faith. Uh, this widow of Sidon, S-I-D-O-N, you're going to see her in heaven. Uh, she didn't know all that you and I know. She lived before Calvary. But again, you and I have said it many times. Um, in the Old Testament, in faith, F-A-I-T-H, trust, they look toward the promises of God that would one day come in Jesus. We look back at Jesus, who did come. Same Jesus, same faith, just living on two different sides of the cross. But this is amazing, and I just love it. Elijah says, See, thy son liveth. And the woman says, I know you're a man of God, and the word of the Lord is in you, because what you say is truth. Amen. First uh, Kings seventeen twenty four. Bert, I, I wish that could be said of all of us, don't you? You better believe it, Alex. That was exactly what I was thinking. When you, as a preacher, those of you that are Sunday school teachers, preachers, fathers, mothers, do you children, do those that listen to you know that you are a, a child of God and that the Word of God dwells in you richly and, and you're able to speak truth? I pray that that's the case here. But let me say something about this widow. She responded to the to the light that was given to her each time. Amen. And and that's what you see. Will you respond to the light that God has given? To whom much is given, much is required. Much light, much response, Alex. So here A you're Amen. listening today. We're saying to you that as Alex has said, I have said the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. That is truth. Will you respond to that today? And there's a number you can call if you need to respond and ask Christ into your life. Triple eight, need Him. There are partners in Christ, and and they and they are faithful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Need help today? Call triple eight, need Him. They'll help you. They'll pray with you, and they will give you what you need in order to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Alex. Uh, I love that again. Let's read it one more time. Verse 24, now by this, I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. May that mm. be said about those of us who are sharing the gospel. Well, uh, that's true. Amen. And so for Elijah, there's a journey and God says, okay, it's time to go to Ahab. You know, after it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And he went to Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Um, do you know, it seems like for Elijah, and it certainly is true for all of us, um, the, the life is a series of assignments, isn't it? It is. And here, again, that which he had, God, had him hidden from for these years now takes him back to that location. Uh, this is not unusual. God does a great work. Remember the Apostle Paul? He was in Jerusalem, 
but then God sent him into Arabia. He stayed there, but guess what God did? He brought him back, and he would be at Jerusalem. He would be at Antioch. Uh, he would go on those missionary journeys, journey one, journey two, and he would revisit those. And here is Elijah going back to Ahab, and uh, he's going in the power of the Lord. I, I, Alex, I think Elijah had learned something during this time of God's protection and God's provision as well. And so I think he did go with with great uh, faith in the Lord, saying, "Yes, I I can face the, I can be in the face of the enemy and declare the word of the Lord." I think Elijah had given that even more now than he had before. Um, you know, I well, Amen. <laughs> I've got a smile. Okay, Elijah has been with one of the most godly women of the Old Testament, and. Real, real soon, he's going to meet up with one of the most un- ungodly women. <laughs> what a contrast, Testament. Alex. That's great, brother. It's true. Um, yeah. Ahab was a famous king, but his wife is even more famous. And I have to smile because Ahab was married to Jezebel. Okay. Um, verse 8 of 1 Kings 18. Uh, As Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, knew him, fell on his face. Art thou uh, my lord Elijah? And he answered and said, I am. Go tell your boss, go tell Ahab, Elijah is here. Now, we've all had a knock on the door. Who's at the door, honey? Uh, well, it's this person or that person. There's a famous cartoon when Billy Graham in 1957 went to preach in London in uh, Herringay Arena. And it was so full, hundreds of thousands of people came to hear Billy Graham. And there's a cartoon that you'll see if you ever go to the Billy Graham Museum in Charlotte. Uh, it's worth going. But Billy Graham is at Westminster Abbey, and the, the Church of England, the, the priests, said, Who, who's at the door? And it's Billy Graham holding a Bible, and somebody calls up and says uh, uh, to the vicars, hey, the repairman is here. <laughs> to get them back on the gospel well Amen. can you imagine going uh to ahab and jezebel who's at the door uh go tell them elijah is here <laughs> first kings eighteen eight. um let me tell you when uh when the preacher shows up it was certainly convicting for those two had to be to get right with god and obadiah was reluctant because he knew he had been looking for uh, uh, Ahab had been looking for Elijah for three years and hadn't found him, and now here he is. And he said, uh, "They'll God will take you away. He took you away the last time. He'll take you away." And Elijah affirms, uh, "It is me, and uh, I am here." In verse fifteen, and Elijah said, "As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today." So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab came to meet Elijah. Now, here it is. This is powerful. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O trouble of Israel? And Mm. Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Mm. He didn't back down, did he, Alex? Straight well, on. He, he really didn't. And, I mean, this is so much like nowadays. I mean, those of us that believe in God and country, and we believe in morals, and we know that America was founded on the Word of God, and those of us that think that marriage is between a man and a woman, and we believe that it's wrong to kill babies, 
and it's wrong to have socialism. Uh, we're called the deplorables and the troublemakers. I mean, it's uh, if you want to get a, a taste of Scripture that really is reminiscent of where we are in the world, read First Kings 18. But um, let me tell you, Ahab is a man in trouble, okay? God had used uh, Ahab a little bit to have a victory, uh, but there was a, a king he was supposed to kill, and Ahab makes a treaty with him. And then Ahab uh, covets a vineyard that the owner won't sell, so Ahab has this innocent man killed. Um, yeah. Ahab is a man that's falling under the judgment of God. He is, and his wife is the ringleader. Uh, she truly is operating him. But before we get to that, you got to we've got to look at chapter 18 about the battle on Mount Carmel. Alex, let me see. Hmm. Let me put it in, in focus and don't have but a minute or two, and you can comment on it. Here, Elijah, he is ready to battle the prophets of Baal. And there's 450 of these men there, and they're going to offer up a sacrifice to the Lord. And they bring the sacrifice. They build a fire. Those prophets are Baal and Asherah. They're walking around trying to call down from high fire from heaven. Guess what happens? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. So it's Elijah's turn. He tells them to pour water on it, put water all the way around it, build a dig a trench, put the water in, and he calls down fire from heaven, and guess what happened? That sacrifice is consumed, and Boom. it is amazing. Uh, but I love verse 29 about the bail. It says, yes. but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Listen, Isn't that, something? that is the gods of this world. God it's, hears you, doesn't he? Absolutely. But not bail. Not bail, because those those gods are false, but the God of the Bible is alive and living, and he is wanting to be your Savior. Stay tuned. We're going to come back more on Exploring the Word, plus your Bible questions on this edition of the program. Stay tuned to the American Family Radio Network. We're back after this. One of the most controversial topics in Christianity today is homosexuality. The Bible is clear about it, but the world has been relentless in its attempts to shift our views, and that's caused confusion and increased pressure to bow to the culture. In his Engage Magazine article, Homosexuality Comes to the Church, Standing Firm in a Culture that Embraces Chaos, M.D. Perkins gives scripture to dispel the lies of the world. Sign up for your complimentary copy today at engagemagazine.net. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. So Aaron took it as Moses said and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stopped. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Often when the concept of intercession is raised, we normally think about prayer. And we should. Prayer is one form of intercession. Here we see another, living intercession. At the climax of a plague, Aaron runs into the fray, armed with incense, and where he stands, the plague stops. 
Aaron literally stands between the living and the dead. May God move us to be living intercessors for our day, and where we take our stand in Christ, the plague stops. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. You know, delivery has become a way of life. Hardly a day goes by when I don't see an Amazon van or a FedEx truck or a brown UPS van rolling through my neighborhood to make deliveries. Well, God specializes in delivery. Through Jesus Christ, He delivers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Have you been delivered from darkness to God's kingdom? God wants to deliver you. Not next day delivery or two day delivery, but right now when you repent of your sin and call on Jesus Christ to save you. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You got pain, he's a pain If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prisoner, shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. He's a prison-shaking Savior. He's the chain-breaker. He is Jesus, and we hope you know him. Well, we're going to take calls now. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper, and the number is 888-589-8840, and we surely would love to hear from you. And, Bert, uh, on these Bible questions, where should we go first? Well, let's go to Texas and talk to Tim. By the way, we've got lines open, so give us a call. But we go to Tim first, and we're glad that he's online. Tim, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, guys. I'm really blessed by your program, uh, so thank you for all that you do. I actually have a a brother who is living a homosexual lifestyle, and we we have been in exchange a few debates over the years. And most recently, I had used... uh, one of the lines that Alex uses quite often, which is, why would God make you one way and then turn around and forbid you to be that way? And his response was, well, the the, uh, the references to homosexuality in Scripture were, were changed back in 1946 from pedophilia to homosexuality. So I was kind of caught off guard by that. just wanted to see what you had to say about it. Yeah, uh, God bless you, and thank you for trying to minister. Uh, thank you for trying to minister truth uh, on this subject. Uh, yeah, let me say this: um, there was a theologian that passed away two weeks ago, and I'm not going to name his name. But uh, in the mid '80s, there was a, a famous book, and I'm not even going to mention the book title. But a book was released that kind of started a cottage industry, and the book set forth this idea that um, Sodom was not destroyed because of homosexuality, 
and the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 does not condemn homosexuality, and all of the Old Testament passages in Leviticus and Romans 1 and 2 that for 2,000 years were known to be condemning of homosexuality, that uh, suddenly all those passages weren't really right after all. And let me say this particular book that came out in the 1980s that no, no serious Bible scholar would endorse it, but yet it created kind of a cottage industry of people with an agenda who wanted to say, well, you know, that's not condemned by the Bible. Bert, um, it's almost like there are certain cults that don't believe Jesus is the, the Son of God. And so these cults, they just say, well, Jesus is not the Son of God, and the Bible doesn't say he's the Son of God, even though clearly he claimed to be the Son of God, and the Bible says as much. Well, it's, it's the same way with the cult of homosexuality, because people, here's the deal, people are condemned in their soul for behavior that deep down they know is not right. So rather than change their behavior, there's been a concerted effort for 30 years to change what the Bible says. And so um, understand that this is not scholarship, but propaganda that's tried to do this. And I'm sorry, but Satan is a deceiver because he wants people to be ensnared by sin. But no, the Bible is very clear. In the original Hebrew and Greek, Greek uh, language, God condemns all sex outside of marriage and all homosexual sex is sin. Yeah. What you're going to do, Tim, and he has tried to justify, and they will go to any length when I say those that feel like they're, they want to remain in their sin, want to remain their lifestyle that is destructive. They want to justify it. There's two things you do with sin, no matter what it is. You justify it or confess it, one or the other. And confession means I agree with God. So they're trying to change what God has said in the in the scriptures about homosexuality by saying, "Oh, it wasn't that; it was this." And so you're on you're on solid ground, uh, Tim. I, I tell you what, I just feel that like we want to pray for him and other men and women who are called into this destructive lifestyle. I want to lead us in prayer for this one, Alex. Would you mind, brother? Yes. Father, I thank you for Tim and having a concern. I pray that he would continue to love his brother, and I pray that that line of communication would stay open, and I pray that through Tim's ministry of caring and loving and truth spoken, that this brother would, his brother would come to truth in knowing you I pray, Father, he would stop trying to justify sin through lies because that's exactly the only way that you can justify sin. So I pray for others who are dealing with loved ones who are caught into this destructive lifestyle that, Father, that you would help them to know exactly what to say and, Father, that they'd stand and, and be strong in your love and in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank amen. you, Tim, and we do... Thank you for calling. Let's go to Kansas and talk to Carol. Carol, welcome. Oh, hi. Um, I have a little bit of a Bible prophecy question, and um, I haven't, you don't hear too much on this, but I w was wondering, um, I thought a lot about the red heifer and the rebuilding of the third temple in Jerusalem, and where does that occur in, in the signs of the times with the rapture? 
can you um, expand on that, please? Okay. And I love your show. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. Listen, the temple and one of the, let me just tell this, Alex, and I'll turn it to you. When I visited the Israel and we were visiting Jerusalem and we were visiting the, the, you know, the Dome of the Rock area, it was amazing. You have the Dome of the Rock itself that takes up so much room, but then all around the Dome of the Rock, you have these little areas set aside because uh, they, they consider those mosques so that if if the temple was to be built there, they would have to tear down, quote, a mosque to do it. Uh, There's fear in the heart of at least the Muslim population of this third temple being built. Well, that's true. And uh, did you go to the um, Temple Institute there in Jerusalem, Burke? I did, yes. Well, uh, this is very interesting, folks. there was there was a rabbi who lived a thousand years ago named uh, Maimonides, a very respected Jewish scholar and rabbi. And see, since the time of Moses, history says the rabbinical history says there have been nine red heifers sacrificed. Now the temple was destroyed. And there have been no more red heifers sacrificed. And what it is, in Numbers chapter 19, it talks about a red heifer. Uh, Eliezer the priest was to um, uh, slaughter a red heifer, and the ashes were to be used in a sacrifice. And then the ashes were to be kept outside the camp. And this were part of the uh, purification ritual. Now, we know that the, the Savior came, Jesus died, and... All the sins have been paid for. But uh, Maimonides in the 1100s said that the 10th red heifer would be sacrificed in a rebuilt third temple by the Messiah himself. Okay? So um, they say, and by the way, this is, this is a cow, a heifer that can have no white hair, no black hair. It's got to be completely red. And I remember, Bert, 30 years ago when I was, uh, you know, beginning to read Bible prophecy, they were talking about how the Temple Institute had made much of the furniture for the Third Temple. They were looking for a, a red heifer. And supposedly in 2018, a red heifer, the first in, you know, more than 2,000 years, a completely flawless red heifer was, was bred in Israel and even more since. Now, what this means is that they believe it'll be a real catalyst for Jewish people to get uh, in gear to rebuild their temple. Yep. Now, we, we know it doesn't have to be sacrificed. Jesus is the sacrifice. But my point is the fact that all this is going on tells us we very well may be near the end of time. I think it does. And I've heard this and read about it. And again, uh, the the architectural plans being ready and everything ready, similar to how David had it ready for Solomon when he was to re- was to build the temple, Solomon's temple the first. Uh, thank you so much, Carol. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Ed. Ed, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how you doing? Doing Good. well, brother. Uh, hey, I got a Bible, uh, well, I got a Bible question, a uh, prayer request. Yes, sir. It's for my brother. Uh, He's got 15 months to live. Hmm. He's got brain cancer. Yes. 
We're all strong Christians, my family, but we got a little, I guess, churches praying for him. I just want an army. Okay. Ed, what's his name? Amen. Do you mind giving us his name? Oh, his name's Al. He lives in Alabama. Okay. Al, those of you who are listening, yeah. if you could write Al down from Alabama, and we want to bombard heaven right now and army. Does he know the Lord? Amen. Ed, does he know the Lord? Oh, we're all very strong Christians. Okay. Amen. Oh, wonderful. He, he Amen. He, he told the doctors keep telling him 15 months, and he says they can practice their practice. He goes, I'm practicing living. He says, I got God on my side. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's a song, and the first time I heard it, I was in Alabama at a meeting I was preaching at, and it was, I am a winner, W-I-N-N-E-R, either way. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm in his hands, and that's the hate case with us believers. Alex, would you pray for Al, Ed's brother? And did I hear correctly, uh, he's battling a brain tumor? Yeah, it's the yeah. aggressive cancer globulin. I'm not uh, mm. messing that one up, but... Uh, well. uh, so he can yes. Only do what he can, but you know. Well, let's let's pray and everybody join with us in this prayer, if if you would, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you're such a merciful God and you love us, and the Bible says you are full of compassion, and you you understand and you remember our frame, you know that we are but dust. So, Lord, we are feeble. We need you, but we trust in you. And I lift up Al. And Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray in your name and we agree together and we ask that you would undertake for this man. Father, have mercy and intervene just swiftly and thoroughly. Lord, I would pray for complete healing. I would just pray for a miracle of healing from any cancer, any brain tumor. Lord, just let the doctors and everybody be amazed. But Lord, your will be done. And uh, thank you for this uh, dear man bring in his, his brother's name, and uh, Lord, all of us, we just ask that you would help this person, and Lord, somehow in the midst of all this pain, let, let your name be glorified, let it be a witness for you, and Lord, let it, let it all work out for, for Al's healing and for your glory, and we do lift him up and ask for a complete healing of this, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ed, and we are. Uh, thank you. Amen, brother. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Tim. Tim, welcome. Hello, guys. Yes, hello, brother. Hmm. Hey, um, can you hear me? Yeah, you're loud and clear. You're good, Tim. Oh, man, just got cut off for some reason. I Man, I hate that. Oh, if you bummer. can call back, Tim, if you're listening, you can call back. I think we can get you on. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Ben. Ben, welcome. Uh, thank you. I had a question. I heard a minister the other day kind of allude to the fact that there were certain miracles that only Jesus performed, such as people being healed from, from blindness from birth or somebody raised from the dead that was already in the grave for days. And I was thinking what you thought about that. Were there certain miracles only reserved for Jesus? Ben, great question. Alex, you and I did a program several months ago 
about miracles today. You know, like uh, Jesus put the ear back and mm-hmm. healed it on, on, on the temple guard, you know. And, and healed a withered hand. Yeah, withered hand. Uh, I won't say they're just only for Jesus, but it seemed very special. But go ahead. Try to get – we got Tim waiting, so we want to try to okay. get a short answer to Ben and get to Tim if we could. Well, a lot of those miracles like, um, you know, raising uh, Lazarus from the dead and healing, you know, the paralytic man at uh, Bethsaida, a lot of what Jesus did was to validate his Messiahship. I still believe in miracles. I believe God does miracles, and sometimes they're in the presence of the church, and sometimes they're in the presence of lost people. But, um, you know, I want to say God sovereignly chooses where and when and how to do a miracle. Um, But some of those ones Jesus did that were primarily to validate his Messiahship. And it does seem to be that, like, the restoration of of a limb or control over the weather were more reserved for Jesus. And the church right now seems to have more power in the miracles of uh, spiritual deliverance and uh, salvations and spiritual warfare rather than the the physical external world. But that's a generalization because these miracles do go on. Okay. Tim from Virginia, about all the time. Can you call us back tomorrow, Tim? Oh, man. All right, then. Hey, brother. We just got cut off, and, man— when that happens, we hate it. If you could call us back, we'll put you on first. First in line, brother. Exactly. We'll do our very, very best. Well, I guarantee Bert, you. So I'm sorry about that, Tim. Well, uh, you've been listening to Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. We're going to do some more about the life of Elijah, and we hope you'll tune in. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. But, Bert, they can listen to this and all the other programming on AFR.net and on the uh, mobile device app, can't they? They sure can, and we got the future coming, live streaming, so that's going to be exciting in the future. So there's going to be many ways of listening to AFR, more ways, I should say, and Exploring the Word is one of them. So thank you again for listening to Exploring the Word. And Alex, hope things go good in Macon, Mississippi. God bless you. Thanks for listening, folks. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.